Hi, my name is Matt Keon, and this is Uncommon. Uncommon and Uncommon Clips are produced by Narelle, a unique digital agency. Head to narelle.com to learn more. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com. So how then, because uh, there's a few firms that you founded, but uh, the obvious one that is your day-to-day is genius. How did you start to think about that strategic positioning in this particular space that you're in? Yeah. Well, it's not for the faint-hearted to go from, I, I thoroughly recommend it um, if, 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 if you can uh, put up with how brutal it is. So th- that's my opening sentence. Do it, um, but beware it's brutal. So yeah, it's, it's not a logical step to go from advertising to, you know, a biotech or, or genomics really. But when you look at it, 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 it does kind of make a little bit of sense. So the, the way I did it was I, I came back to Sydney from London I met, met a person with ALS, developed a relationship with that person, and this person said, look, I've tried everything in the world, nothing's worked. This is a, a brutal disease. You basically get three years to live and, you know, that's it. There's nothing on, on the market, so to speak, that does anything significant, doesn't, doesn't cure it, doesn't hold progression uh, enough to make a, an impact in anyone's life. So that to me is a brief, right? If we just say that's the brief. Um, so then, then what it is just, again, what you do in advertising, you look at, the whole market, what everyone's doing, and try and see if there's any gaps in the market that are missing um, or any opportunities. And that's what I did. I spoke to as many neurologists I could. I read every paper I could. And, you know, I know nothing about, I didn't know anything about genomics then. And so when you do that, you know, again, like working on a brief, certain things start to bubble up and and opportunities and gaps. Uh, And it's not because there isn't amazing people in ALS or motor neuron disease or genomics that are looking at this, it's just because it's largely underfunded and that that means there are lots of things which need to be looked at that haven't been looked at. And so I decided that that was where we were going to focus. And basically that's on the genomic side because the technology had advanced enough then for that to provide value. And it was something that a lot of people, patients, neurologists were crying out for. How can we get more data to tell us more information about what's going on with patients? And on the genomic side, did you find that people hadn't looked at this opportunity or gap for a particular reason at all? Yeah, I believe so. So what, it's some market conditions and forces. So number one, um, bioinformatics, which is kind of the, the study of genomics, is a relatively new industry, let's say, so five to 10 years. So there aren't a lot of bioinformaticians around in general. And of those that were around, say, four or five years ago, a lot of them were drawn into the cancer space for obvious reasons, right? It's, that's where the money is. That's where most of the, the progress is. So that, that was one. that, that was Just the, the resources needed to, to look at this weren't there. The second issue is the data sets available just weren't. None of them are aggregated in one place. They're all in different research institutes, different private institutes, and there's not enough of it. So again, that's that's the second thing. Can we get all the data in one place? Can we start finding our own data? And so those two things became opportunities. So can I get some top tier bioinformaticians? Can I get access to quality data? Uh, And then can I start creating pipelines um, which are analyzing it differently to everyone else to look for things that we think are implicated in the disease? So for you, when, when you met this person 
and you had this brief in your head before you even dove into reading about this thing or perhaps even when you're in that that flurry of information just blowing your mind about certain things what made you think okay this is worth doing you know there's often like a tipping point because entrepreneurship like you said isn't it people glorify it it is very hard Um, no matter what field that you're in it's just not easy I feel like that Elon Musk quote is so apparent where it's like sort of chewing broken glass and staring into the abyss. And you've got to be comfortable with that and feel that you're doing something at least special enough to you that, you know, you're comfortable with chewing on that broken glass. So what was the tipping point for you? Was it a moment when you were doing that research or was it when you had that conversation with that, that person at ALS? I, I think it was it was it was post post that conversation um, about ALS. It was after I'd spoken to a, a lot of neurologists, um, both here and, and overseas. And then you know, one of them, I just said, "What's the biggest problem facing your work and trying to solve this?" And and they all just said very simply, "Lack of targets." Right. So I thought, "Well, what's limiting the lack of targets?" And it was just the lack of information. So that became really the big kind of exciting thing for me was, okay, that's a distinct problem and we can use technology to start to solve that. When they, when they say lack of targets, what do they mean exactly? Cause I know uh, we should probably give people a preamble to these diseases first and why they're so complex, but uh, maybe just touch on that targets component. Yeah, sure. So with a, with a lot of diseases with or mutations as, as people might commonly call them diseases caused by mutations, there's a distinct target. So there's a gene and there's a mutation, some kind of mutation on that gene, and you can target that gene and hopefully, um, you know, target the disease to a certain extent. But in, in ALS, the only 5 to 10%, roughly 5 to 10% of the ALS population have a distinct target, and that, that's called SOD1. And there's a lot of great people working on that. Um, the other 95%, have what's called sporadic ALS, which is basically there's unknown causes. So we are finding more and more genes, but again, within that 95%, it really only accounts for 70% of that 95%. So the rest is totally unknown. So there's nothing to target with with a drug or a, or a therapy. So just on that, because this is, I find this whole field absolutely fascinating. I've done the whole 23andMe thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the classic, the classic hobbyist, um, you know, genomics type shit that you can get into. So I, I've learned a lot about this and I, I don't think people fully understand how much of a sort of, it's, it's like Elon Musk going to Mars, trying to go to Mars. We're in, we're in such an early, early stage. So we know that the human genome has been mapped, right? Uh, this is my understanding of the human genome has been mapped. There are specific genes that we all have as humans. And I, I can't remember the number, but there, there's some outrageous number of genes within that genome. But then also, and this is the thing I specifically learned when I did 23andMe, is we all have an expression of that gene on the allele which is the, the little thing at the end of the gene that basically, and there's three different pieces of code that can be imprinted on that allele that combined from both parents gives you a potential result so that you add all these variables and it's just become so complex. But that allele will say, okay, um, for this 
uh, heart cell, this is how Jordan will be structured, so to speak. That's my understanding of it. Is that relatively true? Yeah, that's pretty close. So what what we're, we're able to do now is is sequence your genome. And again, it's so complicated because depending on what tissue you're sequencing, so you probably did saliva with 23 and yeah, yeah. Your output and there's genes expressing in, in saliva and let's say that's 25,000 genes and we might all share say 15 to 16,000 of those and the rest are, are kind of unique to you. But there's a difference between sequencing in the saliva that there is from muscle tissue or from blood and then even how what you do in the extraction from blood. So what cell types you're, you're extracting from blood. So just to complicate everything further, but essentially we can get back 3.5 billion pieces of information in you because you're, we're all code and it's amazing when you see someone as code on a screen. And in that 3.5 billion um, pieces of information, they're called base pairs. You only need a change in one base pair to cause some kind of pathology. Now in every day, you know, we have the, you know, we all carry benign mutations and, and, and things that are going on and, you know, our bodies auto, auto correct it. And the, the problem is in that three, you've got to mine 3.5 billion pieces of information uh, and compare that against, you know, healthy controls and then validate it to make sure what you're finding is actually real because you can find anything in that data if you like. So you're just scrolling through data. You can find whatever you want. You could probably find a picture of Mickey Mouse if you looked hard enough. So it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And you've got to go through then another set of processes to validate um, what you're finding in, in the data uh, in the web lab. And that sort of explains why you guys would start specializing when it comes to solving diseases from a genomics point of view, one specific area, in this case, neurogenerative diseases. Yeah. And, you know, like I know for you, obviously you would have focused on this area because you know this individual and this is the specific problem, but you can obviously see how this scales out into other diseases as well. But I think what you mentioned before about the code component is so key because if you go on 23andMe, you can literally download it. You can download your raw data and then go plug it into other tools, which tell you, um, I normally have it on my desk here, but I know for, I've always had this issue. It runs in my mum's side of the family where I have, uh, is it hyper or hypo? I think it's hypercholesterolemia. So I have high cholesterol and they put it down to the fact that our genetics, our family have always grown up on islands. They've been around seafood, et cetera. So when you eat red meat, which is higher in saturated fat, it boosts that and particularly dairy products that are high in saturated fat. Um, whereas when we eat more of a Mediterranean diet, obviously a Greek family, uh, that immediately goes down. And so these are some sort of, sometimes they're obvious things, but then you get other more complex things like with ALS, where it is an actual issue within, within the gene itself. 